It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Redskins podcast. I'm your host, as always, Zach Hicks. You can find my work on Breaking Football and the Breaking Draft podcast with John Valencia, my co-host. Now, I know I've been gone for a little bit on a mini hiatus here. Just a lot of things going on with my uh, my day job and the Redskins season being over. And I'm actually moving from out of my apartment here soon. So a lot of things going on around here, which has kind of led to my little hiatus the last week or so. But I am back and we are in full force this week, guys. Now, I'm really excited to announce that this is the first episode of this new segment that I have started this all season where I, I'm trying to come up with a cool name for it. So if you guys actually have a cool name for it, please message me on Twitter or something like that. But it's like around the league in 31 episodes or around the league in 31 podcasts, something something really lame and something like that, where we're basically we're going to go around all the NFL this offseason. We're going to have 31 guests on the podcast here, each from different teams, and we're going to have them talk about their NFL team. It's going to be very cool. We're going to get some in-depth analysis into some other NFL teams. And to start this new segment, guys, we have Stephen Thomas of at Brown's Mock Draft on Twitter, guys. He has built one of the coolest brands on Twitter. I really wish the Redskins would actually have a guy like this. I'm I'm very fascinated by the daily mocks that he does on there. So what's up, Steven? Hey, thanks for having me, Zach. And I, I didn't even know I had a brand, let alone a cool one. So that's nice to hear. Oh, yeah, man. I Dude, I have a blast following your stuff. I mean, even as a Redskins fan, I go on there every single day and see who the Browns are getting in their daily mock drafts. I, <laughs> well, I, based on last year, uh, last year's results, uh, 95% of my mocks end up are who they're not getting. So, But yeah, I mean, the idea was born, actually, just a quick backstory, um, after the 2016 draft, because uh, I was new to fan speak at that juncture, and I decided to see, you know, because if you're like me, you follow the draft all year round, and it's interesting to watch how the the takes change and ebb and flow over the course of an entire year. So I mm-hmm. thought it would be a cool idea to do a mock every single day and keep a record of it, and then look back after the actual draft to see where we were right, where we were wrong, and well, who was hot in September versus who ended up being hot in March and April and everything. And it turned out to be very cool. And, uh, you know, apparently uh, people uh, are interested in it. I, it's amazing to me. I'm just some idiot with a with a computer. <laughs> but this is year two, and uh, hopefully in year three we can expand it even further. Oh, yeah, man. And, again, it is really fun to follow. Now, we have you on here to talk specifically Browns today, but there is one topic that we have to talk that kind of crosses Redskins and Browns. It's Kirk right. Cousins. Now, I want to get your take first. How would you feel about Kirk Cousins being the savior of this Browns franchise? Well, that's the debate right now. Is he the savior or not? Which, which from what I can <laughs> see looking from the outside looking in is the same debate that you guys are having. Oh, God. Is he elevated by the people around him or does he elevate those people? Is he a, a product of a good play caller or does he you know, make mistakes at the end of the game? And there's vocal people on either side of it. And then you throw in the expected price tag for next year, and mm-hmm. it, it ramps it up an entirely new level. Because you know, I mean, to get anybody to come to Cleveland at this point, you <laughs> got to pay him a premium. And since he's been tagged twice in a row, it ramps it up even further. I mean, the numbers that are getting thrown around are just insane. You're talking twenty-eight, thirty million dollars a year as a free agent. Now, personally, I would have. I mean, he's light years better than anything we've had uh, for quite some time. But we also have 
the number one and number four pick in the upcoming draft, which is a quarterback-rich draft. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we, we all like certain guys more than others, but there are, if you want to count Josh Allen, there are five guys who have been talked about in conjunction with the number one overall pick. So I, I would have no problem giving Kirk Cousins that kind of money because, I mean, we have, I think – we have the amount of cap space about the roughly the size of the GDP of Belgium. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so it, w- it wouldn't bother me at all. And plus it's not my money. So who gives a crap? But I would also like, if, if they did that, I wouldn't want it to preclude them from going quarterback at one, which then would tell me why would Kirk cousins want to come here knowing that, yeah, you know what I mean? I mean, he's coming from a situation where he's constantly looking over his shoulder because of, you know, I mean, you know Daniel Snyder better than I do, but the perception of him from the outside is he's just, you know, basically bat crap crazy. Um, Same here. And Same on the side, so, too. <laughs> so why would he want to go from that to our owner, who's just as bat crap crazy and loses all the time? So, But why would he then, – then you come in and then at any fan base, if you draft a guy in the first round, let alone at one overall, the fan base is going to be clamoring for that for the kid to play. Yeah. Especially if they go out and you know they start off one and three or something like that. That why would he want to do that? So, I, I, while I would have no problem bringing him in, and I was just on Locked On Browns with uh, our mutual friend uh, uh, Jeff Lloyd last night, and we mm-hmm. did a live uh, mock draft episode where we ran through the scenario as if they signed Kirk Cousins as a free agent. I, I, I I'm highly doubtful that Cleveland ends up being his destination for all the reasons I enumerated. And he's, he's 30. He's got plenty of money. My guess is, you know, he's got a new baby. He wants to chase rings and he's, you know, I mean, maybe he could do it here, but he's got Denver and Jacksonville, which seem to be far likelier destinations. If they can come close in the money, they seem like places that he could go chase a ring. And I, and you would know that better than I do, but it, having been 30, I'm older than that now, but I, that's where your mind turns it yeah. at a certain point in your career. Yeah, no, I, I get your all your analysis there. It's actually interesting seeing it from a guy who's outside the situation where, you know, we always see it from the inside situation, guys who have watched him for three or four years. Right. The debate is ongoing, like you said. We, we fight about it all the time. All of us Redskins guys, a lot of outside guys have their own opinions on it too. At the end of the day, though, something that we can all kind of agree on here is he's an above-average quarterback. You know, he's going to come in. He's going to be way better than anything that Cleveland has had in a long time. And, he's heck, he's better than anything the Redskins have had in a long time. He really is. And he gives you a chance to win games. My big thing, though, why I don't get, like, the Browns fit is the Browns have the first and fourth pick, obviously. You want to have a quarterback and then draft two studs with the first and the fourth pick. But this draft here, as you and I would know because we are big draft guys here, it doesn't have a lot of elite, elite upper echelon players. Like, there's a couple guys that you and I really like, I'm sure, at the top of the board. But uh-huh. I don't think it has, you know, I don't think it has a guy where it's like, okay, we need to sign Cousins so we can get both of these guys at first and four. I don't think it has those type of guys. Now, obviously, you want guys like Minka Fitzpatrick on your team, but I, I think I would feel better about going Rosen and then, like, Fitzpatrick four. I think that is what the Browns should be looking at. And, you know, I can go on for days about Josh Rosen. I think Josh Rosen's the best quarterback prospect I've evaluated in my couple years here. So I don't, I just don't see the need for Kirk because you have like 50 picks in the top 50. You have like all the picks basically in this draft. <laughs> so I say use those picks, keep going young. The Browns, they look like they're in a good direction right now with this front office and everything they're trying to go for right now. I, I, I love Kirk Cousins, but I would not throw that much money at him if, if I were the Browns. 
Yeah, and, and that's where I tend to fall. I, I, it's hard to you go back and forth from this end because you know, I mean, one thirty-one. It, it's yeah. never been done before, and but then you look at it, and you're you're a guy that you know you study the game. You look at this roster. It's not a one in thirty-one roster. It simply mm-hmm. isn't. Yeah. I mean, they've had everything against them. I mean, you know, poor coaching. They've had injuries. They've had suspensions. They've had bad luck. And they've made horrendously stupid plays, but they should have had a, at least six or seven wins over the last couple of years. So it really isn't, you know, from an on-field product and what they can add this offseason, it's not as bad as it's made out to be. Now, I, they deserve all the ridicule. They have earned every ounce of it, okay? And I'm not saying people shouldn't, you know, make fun of it, but... It really isn't as far away as it might seem to some. But for the reasons you just said, yeah, I mean, of course. How could I argue with adding Kirk Cousins to this roster because he gives you instant credibility? But for the long term, I I would rather go with, you know, I mean, there's been talk of trading, uh, you know, one or two picks for Alex Smith because he's got one year left on his deal. That would seem to me to be a much smarter move because he's still playing at a relatively high level he gives you a chance to win games he's not going to lose games for you in year one and then if the kid's not ready to play week one he can hold down the fort better than uh, cody kessler or any other of these quote-unquote veterans that we've had (laughs) and if he you know let's say it's rosen because i agree with you he's he's my guy if he's is ready right out of the gate then smith is you know, if Rosen gets hurt, you've got somebody better to fall back on. And mm-hmm. if things are rolling along perfectly and Rosen's lighting it up as a rookie, you've got a very valuable trade piece uh, come to at the trade deadline. And he's only got one more year left on his deal. So even if you keep him the whole year, he drops off your books after yep. one year. So there are many other ways that they can go that I would prefer. But that said, again, you know, you're coming off one and 31. How could you argue <laughs> With adding a Kirk Cousins to your roster, it, 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 there's there's two minds on it, but I'm I'm with you on this. I would rather go with I would even rather go with like a Chase Daniel Ooh. type veteran mentor. Yeah, you know, not 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 to put out on the field, but he's the kind of guy gotcha. you want in your locker room. You know, mm-hmm. to mentor the the rookie than to to drop thirty million a year on on a guy like Cousins. And that's not a slight on Cousins. It's just I would prefer that way. So I guess my question to you, because Browns fans are constantly trying to figure out what's going to happen with Kirk, from the outside looking in, it seems like, yes, the money might be an issue, but it's more so a toxic relationship. Like, he doesn't feel that he's been treated well, and that's why he basically wants to leave at all costs. That's what it looks like from us on the outside looking Mm -hmm. in. So what do you say, and what do you think the chances are that, in whatever fashion, he's a Redskin again next year? Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, I guess I have two answers to that. Because one, I think the toxic relationship is a little overblown. I do think he's, I think the last two years, he has shown a little bit of like, 
how he was upset a couple years ago. Because a couple years ago, we had the option of extending him at $18 million a year for uh-huh. for four to five years. And uh-huh. the Redskins only went to about 14 or 15 is what the, the rumor was there. So I think that's kind of why he's denied almost every offer he's got the last two years and why he's played on that franchise tag. So I think that was a little bit of him just being spiteful. But I, I think if the Redskins were to were to put the money where their mouth is and actually pay him, I think he would stay because I think he likes Jay Gruden. I think he likes this area. And we're talking about a guy who's been here for the last couple of years of his career. And, and like you said, he's 30. He is a baby. I don't think he wants to keep moving them around. And if he gets money and he knows the organization, he knows the coach, I think he would stay. But the second answer to that question is I don't think the Redskins are going to pay him. I just, I just don't see it. You can tell by kind of the postseason – talk right now Jay Gruden's talking about like oh he needs to get better when you're seven and nine your quarterback is definitely not playing well and it just right. seems like we're starting to turn on Kirk now it's kind of the end of the season where I think I think it's just heading towards a breakup right now so I do see him hitting the market for sure so then what are the what do what does Washington do at quarterback do you guys try to move up for one of the top names or what do you do uh we just give up and start Colt McCoy <laughs> Having been done that road in Cleveland, I'll say good luck to you, my friend. Oh, thank you for coming on here and saying that because I've been telling people the last. <laughs> I've been telling people for weeks now. It's like Colt McCoy will not win us more than two or three games. You guys are dreaming if you think so. There's some people out here who think Colt McCoy is better than Kirk Cousins, and I, whew, man, it's it's rough. It's a rough road. There are road. people that still want to bring him back here, and I'll say this: Colt plays his, his ass off. He does. Um, he does. He is a guy that you like in your locker room. He's a fighter. I just, I don't know that he has the, t- I mean, I don't know, he's never really gotten a chance to play a full year, so maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know that he has the tools to be a guy that leads you to the playoffs. I, I wouldn't think so, anyway. Yeah, man, yeah, I, no, I'm the same way. <laughs> now, to continue the free agency talk, though, who are your top free agents for this Browns team? I know you do the daily mocks every day, but you also do Ultimate GM. You also do some free agency in there as well. Uh-huh. So who are your top guys you're looking at in free agency for this Browns team? Well, it, it's from my perspective, it's more of a what positions. I mean, I have my yeah. guys that I want, but um, if we're going to exclude quarterback, because we could go on for seven hours on the different yeah. quarterback options. Definitely. Um, I think, and judging from the people that John Dorsey is now bringing in and their history, I think what they're going to do is be very aggressive at corner and at wide receiver. Sashi Brown set this franchise up very very well heading into this offseason his biggest misses were or maybe not misses is the right word passes i don't know the the failings were at quarterback and at wide receiver which are the glamour positions which Mm -hmm. score you all of your points and i think a lot of people want to win right away the new people want to come in and put together at least like sniffing eight and eight if not you know around that and to do that, you don't want to be counting on rookie wide receivers because the history of rookies at that position giving you great contributions is very, very scarce. And our two top guys that we have returning back, Josh Gordon, who everybody knows, otherworldly talented, first ballot Hall of Famer talented if he had kept his head on straight. That's <laughs> how good he is, and that is not hyperbole no, in the least. He's unbelievable, but... He's one bad decision away from being gone forever, so you can't really count on him. 
Our second guy is Corey Coleman, who has become famous for the drop at the end of Week 17. But he's really a good kid. He's just been injured for two years, and I think he has a lot of potential. But basically, we have no one you can count on at the wide receiver position. So they really, really need to hope like an Allen Robinson or there's a lot of people that like uh, Jarvis Landry. I'm not huge on Jarvis Landry at the price point he's going to be wanting. But Mm -hmm. I think they're going to want at least one big wide receiver and then at the corner position, I would like uh, like a Tremaine Johnson uh, or a Kyle Fuller if the Bears are foolish enough to let him hit the uh, hit the open market. If they could get two of those, then it frees up some of the – they have six of the top 65 picks, like you said, to go after some other positions, and you can really target some stuff. So, I, w- I mean, there's some other things that they could do. I, another edge wouldn't be a bad idea. Maybe a, a fleet-footed linebacker, but I don't see a lot of those uh, on the market. A tackle, maybe, because Joe Thomas's future is up in the air. I think he's coming back, but some people are saying he's hinting at that he's going to retire. And if he leaves, that's a huge hole mm-hmm. uh, in the offensive line. I'm not a big fan of spending big uh, free agent money on running backs, especially when you got a draft like this one coming up, which you know anybody who follows the draft knows it's crazy deep. Yeah. So I really, corner and wide receiver are the only places I expect them outside of quarterback to make a, a huge jump. I mean, if the right position presents itself, they could go other places. But I would be very surprised if they don't make large investments in those areas like last year they did at the interior of their offensive line and it worked they gave out a 111 million dollar contract with a contract to two guards in a center and it really worked out for them their offensive line play improved dramatically this year and they're all relatively young so i would expect them to do that in, at, at the uh, at the outside at the, at the corners and the wide receivers this year and then leave the rest up to the draft so you're saying you need a big-time receiver, and I hear that there's a guy that we took from you guys last offseason who wants to come back. I mean, what's uh, with the, do you want Terrell Pryor to be that big-time receiver that you guys bring back? I don't think he is that big-time receiver. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I Terrell, bless his heart, he, he played, he's played the position, actually, I'll, I'll say this, much better than I ever anticipated a guy who had never played it before at the age of 28 could do. He really played well for a guy who has really no idea what he's doing still to this point but he bet on himself this year because the browns made him a very fair offer last year and he did turn it down he took the one-year prove it deal in washington and then through reasons injuries and other reasons that you would know better than i he didn't prove it so now he's back where he was i mean i He wouldn't be my first call. I wouldn't be offering him $14 million a year. But if you get to the second, third week of free agency and he's willing to take a reasonable deal, I mean, I wouldn't hate having him back, but he's not a guy I would be targeting, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, for all you Browns people are going to be listening to this, because I know you're going to draw on some of your Browns guys to listen to this, Terrell Pryor wasn't god-awful this year. <laughs> That's the best way I can put it. I went to uh, Redskins uh, training camp before the season started, and I'm telling you, I, I've never seen such a good raw specimen there on the field. Oh, I mean, he's crazy yeah, athletic, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, he made some insane catches, especially when I was down there. There's a famous uh, video on Twitter that some, some girl posted where he made some one-handed catch over Breland. It was outstanding, and I was actually right behind him when that happened, and just uh-huh. seeing it live was like, man, this guy's going to be a superstar. But the problem is... One, injuries happen because he dislocated his ankle like the third week or fourth week into the season. And you could you could definitely see it. I mean, it was really bad against the Rams. And also, the Redskins tried to use him as a true receiver. 
And that's kind of not what he is right now. We try to call him like over the middle, we actually run real routes and stuff like that. He's just a boundary guy. He's just a guy you, you throw out there on the outside, you throw him some some plays down the sideline, some deep passes. That's where right. he's going to make his money. If you try to call him a, over the middle, some ins, some slants, he doesn't have the the awareness or the savvy of an actual receiver to make those plays. So anytime he was in traffic, like over the middle, the ball's hitting the ground. He, he's not catching it. But if you throw it to him on the outside, like we saw in the Chiefs game this year, he made a really nice catch, and that was with a bum ankle. So I think at a right at the right price, going back to the Browns could actually be pretty good for him. But no, I, I don't want him back here, obviously. It just, it just didn't work out, and we wouldn't use him the right way anyway. But going back to the Browns, I mean, honestly, I know Browns fans are completely against it, but if it's a decent deal, I mean, I think the Browns should jump on that. Oh, well, I wouldn't say all Browns. There's a lot of Browns fans that really want him back oh, that's because there's a lot of overlap uh, in Browns fandom with Ohio State uh, fans. Uh, and sense. I don't know how many Ohio State fans you know. And, uh, you know, I grew up in Columbus, so I know it well. They are <laughs> viciously loyal to any ex-Buckeye, like to the point of, of – way beyond any reason and so there are people that want him back simply for that there are other people that want him back because they think he can develop into something i'm not saying it's everybody but you know i I think most reasonable browns fans are probably in the same boat as me he's not he's not alan robinson i mean you know he's not the guy that you're going to be you know in that three-day window period where they're allowed to talk to but wink wink not allowed to agree to any deals he's he's not that guy But if it, if they if they swing and miss on an Allen Robinson and a Paul Richardson and a Jarvis Landry and a Dante Moncrief and whoever else happens to hit the market, and you know you're two weeks in and there's no wide receivers left, I mean, then yeah, I mean he could he's he's better than a lot of people that we have on the end of our roster right now. I mean we're, we're we had signed guys off of the Eagles practice squad because their dad knew Hugh. That's where Bryce Treggs came from, for crying out loud. And he started like four games for us. It was bad. So <laughs> they really have some work to do there on the outside. But they have the money to do it if it if if things fall right. Now, whether Jacksonville lets Allen Robinson hit the, hit the open market it remains to be seen. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, we'll definitely see with that. Now, let's get into a little bit of draft talk, though. You had the first and fourth pick, and then picks 20 through 50 pretty much all in your pocket as well. You basically have every single pick <laughs> in this draft. But first and fourth pick, who are your dream two guys there? I know I've I heard you say it on Twitter, but say it to me now. Your dream picks at one and four. Well, uh, one to me has to be a quarterback. Even if they get, if they somehow sign Kirk Cousins, I would see the logic with not doing it. Personally, I would still want it. Anybody else, even Alex Smith, they have to go quarterback at one. Now, there's varying opinions on it, and I actually have three guys that I would be completely okay with. But if you forced me to choose, I would say uh, Josh Rosen is, is Josh Rosen is my guy. Uh, at one, if they ended up going Baker Mayfield or even Lamar Jackson, I'd be a happy guy. A lot of Browns Twitter would not, but I want Josh Rosen. And then at four, 
Lots of Browns fans are, are fixated on Saquon Barkley. Yeah. I want Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah, there you um, go. Because, well, I mean, because look at him. I mean, what does he do? You, you could put him in the in the defensive backfield, and just about anywhere except maybe Jacksonville, he's the best player at any of the four positions that you put back there. He can yeah. play either of the corners. He can play either of the safety positions. And free safety was one of our biggest problems this past year. So he immediately upgrades that. Plus, I don't know uh, how many people have read the uh, – I think it was SI that did an article about how Saban just raves about him. And Saban never raves about anybody said, you know, I think the quote was, and I could be paraphrasing here, the smartest player I've ever coached. Like, he knows what everybody is supposed to do before they do it. And that's the kind of guy you want back there. He's the captain for your defense. And his versatility, because they have so many needs back there, it allows you later down the draft to go best player available. Because if there's a great safety at one of your later picks, you grab him and you stick Minka at corner. If there's a great corner at one of your later picks, you grab him and you stick Minka at safety. It gives your defense of coordinator a multitude of options with a Swiss Army knife guy like that to disguise things and use different personnel packages to bring different blitzes and different coverages to the point where the offense has no idea you know what to do or who's going to be where so my dream picks are quarterback at one personally I want Rosen but just get your guy whatever their board says and mm-hmm. then a quarterback for your defense at four which for me is Mika Fitzpatrick I wouldn't be upset if they took Saquon Barkley, but in a running back class this deep, I I would pass because I think there are more elite running backs than there are elite safeties, as you alluded to a few minutes ago. And you can get a running back at the top of the second or even in the middle of the second um, that can be really, really good. But at that, uh, at that spot, you're not going to get someone as good as Minka Fitzpatrick. Oh, 100%. And to kind of go on that a little bit more, I'm actually doing the safety rankings for the other website I write for, which is Breaking Football. And I've gone through a lot of the safety class. It's a good class, but it's not very yes. deep. You take take your guy that high. Minka Fitzpatrick is a stud. You're getting first, second, third, whatever. One of those, the, the best player in the draft, whatever you want to right. call him. He is basically like Jalen Ramsey, not with the, the swagger and the cockiness, which we all love, but he, he is the Jalen Ramsey mold that we all love. He is that guy who who can play corner at a high level, play safety at a high level. He can play nickel at a high level. You can blitz him off the edge. Whatever you want him to do, he's going to do it. He's going to do it at an extremely high level. Take Fitzpatrick, be happy, and I'm 100% with you on Rosen. Rosen's my guy in this draft. I like Darnold. I like Mayfield a lot. But if I had the first pick, easy pick for me. It's Josh Rosen. Now, again, you also do these these mock drafts every single day. So who are some late-round guys you're looking at? Oh, geez. Like for the Browns in particular or just some names of guys in the later rounds that I don't that I think uh, aren't getting as much publicity as as uh, they should. Yeah, some late round guys aren't just just not getting the publicity, man, because I know we all have those every year. I mean, Monty Nicholson was my guy last year and that makes me look smarter than anything. But (laughs) who are your late round? Who are your late round guys that? Um, well, being, you know, being a Browns guy, obviously, like I said before, I've really looked at the wide receivers and cornerbacks as much as I can, and there are some guys currently projected on day three, and of course, they, a lot. This could change so much by April, but that I that I kind of like uh, Jaleel Scott at yes. New Mexico State. I yes. think he's going to blow up. This, I think he's at the Senior or the Shrine. I think it's the Senior, Senior Bowl. Come Senior up. Bowl. Yep. Senior Bowl, and he's he's six five. Catch radius. Uh, uh, Jeff Risden said catch radius like a giant squid, and I thought <laughs> that was perfect. But he's a guy. Uh, Braxton Berrios and Richie James out of Miami and Middle Tennessee. If you're looking for 
uh, over the middle possession uh, slot guys. Those are those are a couple of uh, of uh, wide receivers in the later rounds. Moving over to cornerback, uh, J.C. Jackson currently projected in the fourth or fifth round out of Maryland. I think he's got insane cover skills. Juan Thornhill. Uh, out of Virginia, yes. I like pretty much. You and I have talked about this online. I like pretty much all the the Virginia Tech guys. Yes, uh, uh, Stroman and Adonis and uh, Micah Kaiser. I mean, I know he's not a corner, but I'm just I like all of those guys in the later rounds. There's a couple guys interior offensive line. They don't really fit the Browns, but I, I'm just just shocked at how low they're going. That's Frank Ragno at Arkansas. Yes, he for me is in the is in the conversation for the, the top overall center and right now everybody has him ranked in the fourth round and I have to assume it's because he had an ankle injury. Brian Allen from Michigan State is yeah. another guy consistently ranked really low that I think is just mean on the inside. A tackle prospect a lot of people may not have heard of Tyrell Crosby yep. Oregon. Uh, of Oregon I think is really really good. Alex Kappa, small school guy out of Humboldt State is another one of those. Oh, geez. Uh, the running back class, we've talked about that. It's so deep. But a couple of really small school guys, uh, Martez Carter out of Grambling and Ito Smith out of Southern Miss. Ito Smith, um, yes. I love Ito Smith. I, I think they're going to rise because they're crazy fast. But in a class this deep, they're still going to be probably available mid to late day three, which is just amazing to me. I'm trying to think of some really small uh, sleeper school guys. Oh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Brandon Shedd, Division Three Hobart uh, wide receiver. He's like 6'5", 210 pounds. Uh, on film, he runs away from everybody, but it's D3, so you, I, I, I'm going to have to see his numbers Yeah. Uh, for a guy like that. Uh, tight end that's injured right now, Christopher Herndon out of Miami, Florida, I yes. think is going to be a, a, a big guy. Durham Smythe out of Notre Dame is a, more of a blocker, but he can do everything for you. For some reason, a lot of people haven't heard of Hayden Hurst out of South Carolina. Love I don't her. know how that is. He, he's fantastic. He's but awesome. Like, you bring him up and people go, who? It, it's it's weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and a couple of small school, late round uh, type quarterbacks. Mike White out of Western Kentucky. A yep. lot of people really like him. And I haven't had a chance to look at too much, but I think you and I have talked about Kyle Lalletta online out of yep. Richmond. Yep. Uh, probably familiar to uh, some of the folks there in uh, in Redskin land. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see him against some higher competition, but on film, I, I like what I've seen from him as a late-round developmental kind of guy. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's just a few guys just off top of my head that I can think of. I'm sure there's a lot more that I'm not thinking of right now. Yeah, those are those are definitely some guys that I'm really high on, especially uh, guys like Laletta too. He's going to be actually at the Senior Bowl, I believe. So he'll have a chance to, to show up there against the higher competition. But yeah, I right. love a lot of those late round guys. And I, I think a lot of them will actually be you know higher up boards and something that you'll be able to track for all of us. Uh, hopefully when, when they go up the boards, you can see where their big jumps were. Now, my last question for you before we close out this show. Hugh sure. Jackson, greatest coach ever or not? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, yes. you know, he is, as he has repeatedly told us, the only guy that could have done this job. I mean, <laughs> nobody else could have gone historically awful 1-31 for the past two years. The, the hubris, oh my God. <laughs> After they, lo- they lost, the, for the second year in a row, week 17, to the Steelers' backups, <laughs> And then within 24 hours, both he and Jimmy Haslam gave press, not full press conferences, but they talked to the press. And the arrogance that dripped off of them, of course he's going to be the coach next year. Like, like even wondering about it made me some kind of moron. 
Oh my oh God. God, did it make me mad. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. I have absolutely no explanation for anyone listening why he still has a job. I, I cannot explain it. No, I mean, honestly, I have no clue either. I think that what sealed it for me about how horrible of a coach he is, um, I, I, you probably remember this for sure, when he called the, the, the sneak right before halftime, the quarterback sneak right before halftime on like oh, a five-yard line going in. And they ran out of time, and I was like, what was that? A quarterback sneak on the five-year? I was like, that's when I knew you should take away all play calling from him. And then the, when, the way that he treated Kaiser in the media, I was like, can you just not let this guy talk to anybody? I mean, oh. this, is, this is worse than Brian Kelly treated him, and Brian Kelly was horrible to him. Like, poor, exactly. poor Deshaun Kaiser has had no chance at the college or the pro level because of the two worst coaches Maybe in the history of their of their sports or whatever, but my God, how does Hugh Jackson have a job, man? I just don't understand it. And that's, I, I really hope that that new front office marches in there to to Jimmy Haslam, being like, "Can you please get rid of this guy? I like he's just not. You're not going to win with this guy." It's yeah. I, I don't think there's anybody on the roster that he hasn't uh, taken a dump on to save his own skin. I mean. It, it's been leaked out a few times, and I'm sure we've only seen a sliver of it. The players are really sick of him saying, we're not equipped to win. Yeah. This roster yeah. can't win games. The, I mean, basically you're saying to, to the 53, you guys stink. Now go play hard for me. I mean, it doesn't – it makes no sense. I mean, earlier in the year, they absolutely not could have, definitely should have beaten the Titans. Mm-hmm. And in the first quarter of that game, to, to go on with your sneak against the Lions, there, the Titans were about the 36, 37-yard line going in. It was third and two, and they got a face offensive face mask penalty, a 15-yard penalty. He declined the penalty. They converted the fourth down, and... In the post-game presser, he said, we thought they were going to kick the field goal. That's why we declined it. Now, okay, first of all, what? And second of all, okay, you, so your explanation is you thought they were going to score points, and your solution was, let's let them do that. <laughs> I, I, how, how? And he was, again, just dripping with arrogance. When he said that, you take the anybody in the world knows you take the penalty, you push them out of field goal range, and if they convert a third and seventeen, then you tip your cap to them. But I mean, it, there were so many examples, so many examples like this. The play calling is atrocious. You've got Greg Williams, and you've seen the clips. Anybody who follows it online, you've got our safety. I'm not exaggerating for anyone. Thirty listening. yards. Thirty, 30 yards. yards off the ball at the snap. I, I, it's unbelievable what this coaching staff did to, to get to 0-16, and, and they're all coming back somehow, which is... And you asked me, how do I explain it? I can't. <laughs> I, I can't. It's beyond me. Oh, man. This is why I love the Browns, though. It, just, it doesn't make any sense why it's going on, but they're just so fascinating how they do everything. You know, 1-31 in in two seasons, and you're keeping all the guys responsible for it. It's... Ah, man. They're never dull. That's what we say. Yeah. You know, they they may suck, but they're never dull. There's no. there's always something to talk about. No, I was messaging Jeff a, a while back, and I was like, man, you're kind of lucky to get the Browns, man. I mean, you literally have something to talk about every day. You're in the news every day, and it's never for good <laughs> stuff, but you always have something to talk about. You're never going to run out of content ever because they are the Browns. Well, and, and and you know what? I, I will say this too, because I know you're getting ready to close it out. I'm I'm 47 years old. I've been a fan my whole life. I've had season tickets since 1991, and I continue to give them my money. So I really don't have any room to call them stupid. 
<laughs> oh man, that sounds like cruel and unusual punishment right there. That's horrible. <laughs> All right, man, we're about to wrap up today's show. Any last words though? No, I mean, if, if people want to see, uh, you mentioned it at the top, if they want to follow along, uh, it's at Brown's Mock Draft. I do one every single day on Fanspeak, and I uh, post the results. And as you have seen, people are more than welcome to come into my mentions and call me all variations of the word stupid. It seems to be a, a national sport, and I enjoy it. <laughs> but yeah, I would love to hear feedback from uh, uh, your listeners uh, if they enjoyed it, and uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, guys, go message him on Brown or at Brown's mock draft, please message him. Tell him he's an idiot. He loves it. It's, it's his favorite thing about it. But guys, really, go go follow him on there. He does a great job. I I follow it every single day because I like seeing new prospects on there. I like seeing the the videos he puts underneath it too, and and the explanations. I don't know. Call me a sucker for for all that stuff. I love it. But I'm your host as always, Zach Hicks. You can find my work on Breaking Football and Breaking the Draft podcast with my co-host John Valencia. I will catch you guys tomorrow as we break down the Giants offseason with Ross O'Keefe of Breaking Football. So tune in tomorrow, guys. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.